0: You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne.
1: You're with By Intuit. Uh, we have Mays Wallen in studio of us tonight, and uh, I'm Vanessa DeHolker. Thanks for joining us. Melbourne International Games Week is almost upon us. It's running from the 20th to the 28th of October and it features conferences, lots of events and activities. It's designed for the games industry and enthusiasts and also the general public and educationalists. So it's really got a broad remit. Tonight we'll be exploring some of the events and even getting to share some tips for self-care to help, make you, um, to help you make the most of the week. Uh, until we get there, Mays, what yes. have we got going on in news this week? Well, something I'm really excited about this week is the
2: Sennheiser and Magic Leap unveil of the Ambio AR one spatial audio headphones. Oh, wow. Okay, so super fancy headphones. Yes, they're a bit of a mouthful, but it's earplugs that um, plug into the Magic Leap AR headset. Mm -hmm. And apparently, as a developer, you can... Actually send to the headphones how much of the outside world that you want to hear and also what of the outside world that you want so to hear. So
1: that's like instead of having noise cancelling headphones, it's really giving you control over yeah. that feature?
2: It's like AR
1: augmented reality for audio. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, do you have options about what you might want to add to that instead of just what you want to take away? Or,
2: well, I guess like there's the in-game music, and they had a really excellent example of um, a a Ambio Lab that Sennheiser have made in collaboration with Magic Leap, where you can walk around your house and place sound sources. So, in their trailer, they have someone tapping a drink bottle, <laughs> and then that sound source stays over there like a speaker. Then they walk away and tap something else. And then they're mixing it with reverb and EQ and all of these different effects that any musician would be used to.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I don't quite think I'll understand it until Mm -hmm. I try it. It feels like one of those experiential things for me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, well done, Sennheiser and Magic Leap. I look forward to checking out the Ambio AR1 spatial audio headphones. Did I get that right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Amazing.
1: Uh, something else that happened this week was that Google has announced that they 've had to shut down Google Plus. Yeah. It was never a very successful part of the Google product suite, um, at least not in the the public uh, when it 's been deployed in mm. companies as part of internal you know enterprise license things. I hear it 's been a little bit more successful mm. but um, unfortunately, the trigger for for this action was um, a bit of a security <laughs> breach. So what they discovered was there was a there was a vulnerability um, in the API for Google Plus, which would allow third-party app developers to access data not just of users who had given permission, but of their friends. Right. So it's you know it's a mistake and it's been there for a while. Um, so something that was a bit of an embarrassment for Google was that Plus the uptake was really super low. And this mm. has actually turned into a strength for them as they share, you know, the issues with this security flaw and reassure people reassure that...
2: Reassure it stopped blowing up, well, I guess.
1: <laughs> they're like, we, we can reassure you that um, while it potentially affected up to 500,000 um, user accounts um, and up to 438 different third-party apps might have had access to private information due to the bug, um, what they did have was, like, really low... Um, visit time of users on yeah. on the side and and like low chance for them to be uh, vulnerable to this because of just the amount of low usage <laughs> yeah oh right well, so it's just um you know it's one of those funny things um it was pretty pretty embarrassing for google though you know these things can happen to anyone but we're really in a time of um mandatory data uh yeah. breach notification schemes and that sort of thing and people are starting to to build up their awareness of, of what these things might mean um, yeah, and who has
2: access to yeah. what and especially google where people joke that their whole whole
1: life is run by those apps definitely mine is Um, In better news for Google this week, (laughs) um, they've released their new Pixel 3 smartphone. Um, It looks really beautiful. It does. It looks really great. I think I'd be quite um, tempted to have this if I wasn't wedded to another phone for reasons of business convenience. (laughs) Do you know the price point of it? I really don't. I think they're all so mega expensive when they're brand new that I just... um, it's not what I look for immediately, but I always expect it to be outrageous. Yeah. And I'm sure it is. Something above 800 bucks or something. Look, it's sure. um, the Pixel 3. I've only got the info from the Guardian at the moment, which is mm-hmm. in pounds. So, mm. £739 um, oh for the 64 gig and £839 if you want 128 gig of storage. Uh, so, I'm sorry that we have not done the conversions for you this evening. <laughs> Lots. Just, Heaps. Yeah. Um I've got the US numbers too. See, this is no good for us. This is terrible. It's like the Guardian doesn't know that we're their audience as well. Anyway, look, some of the differences in the Google Pixel are the advances they're making with their camera. Rather than taking the um the kind of hardware approach to that, a lot of the the gains that you're seeing in quality with the Google Pixel cameras are more about software um Right. interpretation of the image information and how they're capturing more information and then applying software solutions, for example, to make the background of a picture, um, you know, taking multiple images mm-hmm. of, of different levels of light and then, you yeah, know, a bit yeah, like the HDR system yeah. but, but more complex and they're using um, uh, AI and machine learning. I was going to ask, yeah. is that
2: what's happening? That's, That's cool. right
1: To improve those sort of things. They're also saying that they can... Um, take a you know a tiny amount of video and then figure out the best frame in that particularly if it's a person so they have some rules around how do we recognize open eyes and no hair in the face and a (laughs) smile and that sort of thing.
2: I, well, what if there's multiple people and one of them has their eyes closed, but the others don't? But then they swap. Like, can imagine
1: they? if they could take the politics <laughs> out of which group photo you choose. That would be good. That would be hilarious. Yeah. I wonder what effect this will have on you know the future of selfies, though. If if everyone has the same sort of software making decisions about what's the best,
2: mm.
1: I don't think that that's a universal thing. It's very subjective. Uh yeah. So it's the what the developers think is the best. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Where's Where's the bias coming from here? That's a good point. Mm. Uh, as someone with half Asian eyes, I'm curious how they're going to treat my eyes, oh. especially after a drink when I get sleepy eye. This is just no good. It's like <laughs> if the pixel treats that well, then I'll know we're onto an AI winner. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, that's uh, that's all that was kind of exciting us in the news this week.
0: You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne.
2: So we have Fabian Malabello. He's the director of the Otherworld Agency and has been working with APRA AMCOS and Creative Victoria to curate the second edition of the event High Score Composition and Sound Art for Gaming on as part of the Melbourne International Games Week. With him, we have Kevin Penkin, who is a composer and arranger from Perth, who's currently based in London and is in town to deliver the keynote at the event. You might know his work from the music in anime series Made in Abyss or in the beautiful craft game Florence. Tonight, Fabian and Kevin will join us and tell us more about the day-long
1: event High Score. Hello. Hi. Welcome, guys.
0: Hi. That was a good one. That was
3: a mouthful. Oh, my God. It was. <laughs>
1: Did you even know you'd achieve that much? No.
3: No, this is all news <laughs> to me. This yeah. is the
1: brief version.
3: And now I know my, my name is Kevin, so <laughs> that's, that's always a good mm. start.
2: Um, so High School was also done last year, and it focused on making music for the games and the tools and techniques. What's different about this year?
3: So
0: this year, the focus is not just on... The actual creation of music for games but the other aspects that go into creating music for games such as business Um, so there's basically the idea was that we would have a creative stream and a business stream Um, Mm -hmm. we were originally going to do kind of two rooms side by side but we decided um, to actually intertwine them together and just make it an event where everybody should attend every single talk and panel that's going to be on so that they can learn every single aspect about creating games for that's oh, sorry, creating audio for games and also about how to kind of, like, handle their business as well. Yeah, what's as something
2: do? that's particularly different about game audio rather than uh, the rest of the music industry?
0: So, it's quite a new industry, actually. I mean, considering that music industry has about 100 years of precedence to it, uh, games is really new compared to that. Mm. So, there are things like mechanical royalties don't exist except for, you know new mechanical royalties being basically uh, paid per game sale in the UK on the PlayStation Store, and like that's the only case of it currently Mm -hmm. known, and it's working its way across territories now. But if you said that to anyone in the music industry, oh, there are no mechanicals, they'd just have a heart attack. Yes, I'm having a bit
1: of a heart attack now. I had no idea that that was the case. Mm,
0: It's it's happening, but it's uh, slow. Right. Yeah. So that's just one wow. element. Yeah. And
2: so games audio being so new, who are some of the other exciting composers at Highscore?
0: Uh, well, we've got uh, Biddy Connor and Michael Thaler who have done uh, the... Well, so it's not just composers, it's also sound designers at uh, Highscore. Mm. So this is about uh, all audio aspects of games. Um, so yeah, we've got Biddy Connor and Michael Thaler from the game Paperbark. We have Jeff and Dyke and Anne-Marie Weber who did Hand of Fate. And I believe you've met Kevin. Yeah, we have now. We're getting to you, Kevin.
2: Wait yeah. your turn. So good, <laughs> so good. So
0: good.
2: <laughs> Amazing. So those are two quite uh, popular Australian games.
0: Yeah, they've had yeah. a lot of hype. Yep.
2: Awesome. All right. So, Kevin. Hi. How did you both meet each other? Were you based in London at the time?
3: Oh, here we go. Mm -hmm. So, um, how's your meet Fabian (laughs) met me through my mum because they were both working at Bunnings. Okay, (laughs) I love that. Fabian was was driving a a fork truck, and I think my mum was working in the horticulture (laughs) department. And uh, my mum, being the the Loving person that she is, she likes to talk about the fact that I was doing music, and yeah. Fabian was like, "Oh, I want to do music." And well, then uh, I actually taught Fabian a couple of lessons in composition way back when, and uh, yeah, that was that was how we met. And then amazing. we kind of went our uh, separate ways a little bit, and then Fabian came back as a complete boss. So and I was like, <laughs> "Look at me now, mom." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, now I uh, now I just basically write a couple of pieces of music occasionally and Fabian tells me if I'm doing a good job or not. Yeah,
2: so you kept that relationship going when you moved to the UK?
3: So I moved mm-hmm. in 2013 and I was went over to do my master's over there right. and uh, I've since just stayed there. But uh, yeah kept in touch with Fabian, Fabian moved over here, uh, and uh, Fabian, being the the legend that he is, sort of uh, is now uh, known kind of as the Australian guy for uh, for audio and things like that, so he 's worked a lot with uh, with many composers, uh, and uh, thankfully i 've been able to do a couple of projects so um, so Fabian was uh, the Kind Soul that got me uh, the Florence gig and cool. uh, introduced me to Ken and uh, Kamina and all the team at Mountains. And, yeah, that's sort of how Great. that thing sort of started.
2: You've also collaborated on a number of Japanese video games with legendary Final Fantasy composer, Whoa, you'll probably pronounce his Nobuo
3: name Uimatsu. Yeah. <laughs> Nobuo Uimatsu. Great. Nobuo
2: Uimatsu.
3: So, sun, summer, But, uh, yeah, so um, when I was in my teenage years, I was pretty crazy about Japan as I think, Mm -hmm. you know, especially like in the teenage, you know, we all all have the phase. Um, Thankfully, it grew into um, a very productive sort of um, attitude towards Japan because I really liked games, I really liked uh, anime Mm -hmm. and things like that and sort of it developed uh, from sort of that, uh, you know, that angsty teenage sort of passion into something that was quite legitimately yeah. uh, sort of sought after. So I learned the language. I've been over there quite a few times and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that uh, I started out with um, some video games in, from Japan with Uematsu, as you just mentioned.
2: Wow. And How did you make that happen? So you had to know the language?
3: Um, well, actually, because... Uh, Uematsu is obviously uh, sort of of that legendary, as you said, status. And so he does all these concerts around the world. He attends them and things like that. And Mm -hmm. I literally just called the conductor or emailed the conductor. I was like, hi, so I'm coming over to one of your concerts. Can I, like, come say hello? And he was like, yeah, come to a dress rehearsal. And that was it. And that was, like, that was off to the races. Because I met Uematsu-san, but I met his manager as well. And then keeping in touch and going to Japan on a sort of semi-regular basis like mm. once a year you know basically save up all money during the school year and then go over what would be our summertime our summer holidays there Christmas winter time yeah. and yeah just eventually the right place right time and it was like okay well we think you're probably appropriate for this small project that they were doing at the time that not too many people know about, but that was sort of the the starting pistol, yeah, and
2: a bit of persistence sounds like
3: i uh, I think if you can show a, a genuine a genuine interest uh, uh, in um, not only the uh, the culture but the language and also the industry and just really wanting to be part of something that sort of genuine attitude sort of gets you i would say pretty far i mean I'm knock on wood for that but um <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, so far it, it hasn't been a complete disaster
1: mm. Mm-hmm. So, what are you going to reflect on in your in your keynote? Will you be reflecting on how you made things like this happen? Will there be any insights for people in the room? Or are don't you say going something <laughs> in a, a
2: completely point. different <laughs> direction? Sure. Um,
1: just a teaser. I, I'll just a do teaser. It, I'll do Us,
3: man, don't I'll ruin do it. it.
1: Uh, or is the I'll business be, um,
3: man. Well, I'll be, um, I'll be attacking it maybe from a, a couple of points of view. But sure. uh, two points would be, one, how I started in my attitudes towards how you want to, to get into an industry mm-hmm. and maybe, well, at least what I've seen in my somewhat limited uh, but at least in my own personal experience how one can achieve that and sort of uh, move forward with a, a very specific goal in mind the other side is the more technical more creative side of things talking about maybe specifics about how i wrote music for made in the abyss or florence and and why those tracks or how those soundtracks were created in that specific way talking about you know what i would look for in a game or mm. anime or anything that would uh, not only hopefully uh, be a benefit uh, to me creatively but also a benefit to the uh, creators as well Mm -hmm. in terms of an aesthetic or a sort of a personal match.
2: Yeah as someone who's worked both in the UK and Australia is there much of a difference in how you would go about that or how the community might be different?
3: Um, I think maybe because I have the hindsight of an expat a little bit, uh, I will say that every time I come back to Melbourne, uh, well, when I come back to Australia, but specifically Melbourne, this is, I think, my third International Games Week Mm. in a row. And every time I come back, I am reminded how awesome this particular community is. Uh, And this isn't pandering. This is just the truth, I promise. But, like, the idea that it's not too big that you feel like you can't know everyone but at the same time uh it it feels incredibly established and uh, the idea that you can uh, have a really amazing group of friends that just so happen to do the exact same job as you Mm. i think that's the way i I tend to look at melbourne at least because you know uh i know fabian uh I know a lot of people around here and it's great to be able to come visit and actually just have a a great friendship and relationship with people. And it just so happens that we all do video games.
1: Mm. Hmm.
3: Yeah, At least that's my outlook right now.
1: Really nice. (laughs) My opinion
3: changes depending (laughs) on my mood in the day. (laughs) Moody boy. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: so yeah. Fabian, other than clearly having Kevin in mind for a keynote when you when you helped curate this high score event, what were you thinking other than the two streams as you started to pull together um, this this day long event? Were, were certain themes emerging that you wanted to play to right now?
0: Yeah. So as I said originally, you know it was going to be two rooms side by side, so we're going to have probably double the speakers. Um, trying to refine that down to actually be a day that was kind of widespread enough to cover all angles of the industry plus get the right people in uh, to cover those topics was actually a bit of a back-and-forth operation between APRA and myself Mm. Um, because we had to include, for instance, like educators because they're a very important part Mm. of... uh, I guess, you know, learning about how to create audio for games is not just uh, a practical thing. You also kind of need somebody to help guide you. So having the right mentors in, uh, getting the right people from different parts of the music industry as well, such as, like, people who actually don't know anything about games necessarily, but they do know about, you know, the peripheral industry. Um, Also making sure that we had the appropriate representation. Um, I know that Abraham AMCOS is very committed to uh, inclusiveness and also just, like, uh, they have a commitment, which is, like, a 40-40-20, making sure that minimum 40% uh, of speakers and panellists are female. In this case, 55% are for high school. Um, yeah, it was just, like, a lot of refining over time and admittedly, I wanted it to be way more, you know, big and bold and I wanted to get heaps more people in and make it like a, a big conference. And, Classic Fabian. Yeah, You've got
1: to do the moonshot, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Am AMCOS mm. were just reining me in, um, basically just being like, settle down, mate, maybe next time. <laughs> so that's so,
1: speaking to, you know, the normal challenges of putting together an event like this. Um, mm. But I wonder as you spoke to the people involved, were there certain trends emerging that people really wanted to, to cover this year?
0: Uh, yeah, so I asked a few people about what they really wanted to know about and um, a lot of people seem to still be kind of a bit iffy on financing games, yeah. rights in games. So... It can be
1: so obtuse, right? You know, yeah. People don't know what's going on in other games and is, is this mm-hmm. fair and mm-hmm. is this right?
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, it's one of the most common questions you see posed in any kind of audio group mm. to do with games. Everybody's just like how much should I charge for this? It's just like, <laughs> I feel like maybe they should just pin a post to the top, which is just like, whatever you're worth, you know, like, yeah. Oh, but, but
1: that's tough. That's so, yeah, that's so that's tough. Right.
0: yeah, It's a complicated answer. Yeah, it's, it's, there's no one answer at the moment. I have, you know, my standards, but they're also way higher than other people and I don't want that to reflect the industry. So we had to make sure that we got people in that could talk about it from i guess the ground up and as well as people who have been around the industry for the last like 30 years for instance so So
1: working with apra amcos and creative vic to help pull this event together mm -hmm. uh do you feel like they were uh sort of preempting some of those questions coming to you with the industry perspective on you know with any data about what's actually happening in the industry
0: well there's not that much data at the moment so we're we're basically i mean i'm I might be the closest to some of the data at the moment, and uh, it's still pretty obscure to me. Uh, they they definitely wanted to cover certain topics. Um, I tried to explain certain topics aren't necessarily uh, so obvious, um, but we should maybe try and, like, kind of catered them a little bit to like say this or it's sorry it's kind of hard to explain but yeah. yeah um basically as i said it was a bit of a back and forth operation and we we figured it out eventually and everybody's pretty happy for it and i think it's going to cover a lot of the topics that people who have you know no idea about the game industry people who are veterans in the game industry and people who are just wanting to like you know brush up on some of their business knowledge to do with uh you know music rights etc they're all welcome there it's not just 101 it's pretty much it covers it for everybody.
2: What are the, mm. some of the highlights of topics that perhaps APRA AMCOS didn't think of, that you were like, yeah, we've got to do this?
0: Uh, I feel like I shouldn't say that on radio. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, no, no. They, 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 were, they were very much on to it. Um, sure. Because uh, Greg Morrow, uh, who I believe is head of screen uh, there, he and I have been chatting for you know the last year or so. So we've even before we decided to actually... Go this route with a high score. We've just been, you know, chatting exactly. about games industry. Has been telling me a few, you know, things about what they're learning. Especially like I said, whether uh, the UK is starting to have, you know, mechanical royalties essentially mm. for their PlayStation Store sales. Um, you know, just keeping each other up to date. So as we got a bit more familiar with each other and the territories on either side of it, we we kind of knew from the beginning, right. you know, that
2: if there was yeah. a highlight for veteran game audio and a highlight for one hundred and one. Which two things do you want to mention?
0: I think 101 would probably be Kevin just for the sake of inspiring them to just, you know, pave their own way in the industry um, and just giving them, you know, a bit of hope. A lot of people i found are just nervous to mm-hmm. enter the industry. They just don't even want to mingle with the community. It's quite interesting, and you'd think they would, but they're just they're scared because they feel like there's this big invisible barrier in front of them that they just can't get past um, so yeah thank Kev for the uh,
3: 101 uh, and wait wait you want to say something? I was just going to sell it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm not saying no, you're no. 101. I'm no, saying no,
3: no, 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 no. Um, what I will say, uh, as a to use what you just said as a springboard, is that I think, and I remember being, a, and I believe you're a composer as well, uh, when you're a younger composer, whether you be a student in a formal education system or whether you're just a young composer starting out or just really keen to get into, especially the game industry, considering it is so uh, energised right now, uh, you, you can feel a lot of pressure, I think, to succeed very quickly. And I think that is, uh, while while being passionate about getting to the best version of yourself and the best sort of, uh, at like the, the highest level that you can as a composer, uh, it is a process that takes time. And I think the idea of patience is uh, not the easiest sort of uh, value to instill in a young composer when they're like, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I'm, mm. uh, I can't speak for yourself, of course, but I remember being that that young composer where I was just like, I want to do everything right now. And it's like, eh, it doesn't really happen exactly <laughs> like that for most people. So... Sometimes it might be easier just to look at this in a slightly more—it's—it's uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint, sort of way. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I guess the idea of what I want to talk about—at uh, least one of the parts of uh, one of the things I want to talk about at this uh, at this talk for high score—is about being able to um, take that passion and take that motivation and hopefully um, sort of mould it in a way that can be very constructive, and so you don't find yourself getting into sort of those dark sort of circles where you're thinking oh, I'm a failure because I haven't you know had a platinum album or something like that <laughs> at mm. the age of like five so hopefully uh that will uh I, ho- I hope the intent at least is to uh hopefully bring a little bit of uh, uh sort of perspective mm. uh to to especially uh younger composers that are just stunned to sort of break out a little bit yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to sell it like that, so good on you. That's, right. <laughs> um, That's why I do what I do. Yeah.
0: And uh, to go back to your question, for the veterans, uh, so veterans I know are also, you know, well, a lot of them still don't quite know about royalties because they come mm-hmm. from the industry where they were employed mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. companies and it was all work for hire. Now that they're starting to work on games where they actually retain their rights, it's like, okay, you do realise that you're entitled to money until you die plus 70 years right like that's it's like once the game's out that's the beginning you know it's not done at that point so there's going to be a panel with you know label you know people uh, uh publishers Abraham costs etc so we're going to talk all about the nitty-gritty of just passive income
2: Amazing! Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: It was so easy when we were just performers and
1: in films, but games has made it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Great. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if people. Think that this sounds like an event that they would like to attend? They should uh, go explore uh, the Melbourne International Games Week site, where they can find high score composition and sound art for gaming. It is a whole day event. It's happening in the arcade, and it's on Saturday, the 20th of October. It's $60 for APRA AMCOS members or $80 for non-members. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed the sneak peek. Thank you. Kevin, Fabian, thanks so much for your time today. Thank thanks you so much. For much
0: for and I also just want to give another quick shout out to APRA AMCOS for putting this on because there's not many people out there right now trying to create such a, you know, big community and and basically instigate, you know, all this education around this industry, which is definitely booming in Australia. So good on them.
1: Love it. And, and uh, thanks for us. It's a pleasure. It is
2: 35 past seven, and you are with me, Mays, and Vanessa, and we have Simone. Simone is on the board of Widget, Women and Non-Binary People in Digital Games and Everything Tech, and has been the main organiser for Widget-run initiatives during upcoming Melbourne Games Week. Simone has been part of Widget since almost the very beginning, working as moderator, committee member, and treasurer. Simone embodies the saying, Jill of all trades, regularly surprising people with what else is on the list of things she can do. Recently, she has encapsulated this variety of skills by giving herself the title, Digital Content Developer,
1: Editor and Coordinator. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) We all need those people. (sighs) Welcome, Simone. So good to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. It is great. It's really nice to be a little self-indulgent and uh, spend a show talking about Melbourne International Games Week and, you know, celebrating, I guess, the culture and industry around us. Yeah. Yeah. It is nice. It's yeah. always nice being self-indulgent. It, well, yes, it is. <laughs> it is. But um, we thought that uh, having a chat with you and playing to some of your strengths in diversity and inclusion and, um, and thinking about, you know, really... Uh, being sensitive to experience design that we could have a chat with you both about what 's going on during Melbourne International Games Week but also about some of the attitudes and mindsets and, and sort of um, mechanisms we might bring into play to to make this uh, a more pleasant experience for us and indeed for everybody. so uh, what are some of the the events that have that have stood out to you well. There are actually
4: twenty-one official events happening across the nine days. It's a bit longer than a week, and um, I guess some of the highlights would be the new ones that we haven't actually seen before during Games Week. So we just heard about High Score uh, last year. That was that happened a bit earlier. It wasn't part of the week. Uh, we have the new esports and streaming conference happening on the Thursday, and that hasn't happened before. It's the first time in the country. That's so yeah, interesting. Yeah. That sports
1: have so much momentum at the moment. Yeah. I'm reading about them in the Finn Review even. Which, wow, uh, really? Yeah, it's blowing my mind. You know, Once there's That's enough ca- cap expenditure, then uh, yeah. it starts to, to rate in the Fin. So yeah, there, there is a lot
4: of money in it. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, no. Something else new happening is Chi Play, which is an academic research conference, and they're also having an exhibition. That's happening at the end of the week on Sunday the 28th. Very cool. And ACME is also taking a bigger part this week and they've got a bunch of public-facing events happening in their space. So I'm pretty, I am really actually looking forward to ACME's Women and Non-Binary Gamers Club, the special mm-hmm. edition. It's like a monthly book club that they started this year, but for games. And it's this, like especially aimed at welcoming women and non-binary people who perhaps aren't quite uh, as well represented within the industry And yeah it's just come in play the game and then talk about it
1: I really love hearing that there are spaces and and groups specifically set up to help people who are you know in in more who identify more as you know part of minority groups places for them to get comfortable because I I remember what it was like being you know a, a young woman from you know a mixed race background when I was when I was a developer and you know, you didn't see a lot of spaces specifically set up to try and try and make you comfortable at things. I feel like we've come a long way.
4: Yeah, but- we have definitely improved over the last few years. I think mainly because there has been a lot of talk about it um, within the industry and, you know, without outside of the industry as well for with the public and game players and consumers.
1: So when you think about um, an event that's really targeted at such a diverse range of audiences, you know, both practitioners but also enthusiasts about games and then educators and then academics, um, there's a whole lot of different experiences there to cater for. What do you think um, are some of the, the, the um, expectations that people bring to, to events like this? And, um, and then let's, like, talk about how that might feel. And- I think... With such a large event
4: as International Games Week, a lot of people feel like they have to go to everything. Mm. Uh, there's, they have a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the events do cost a fair bit of money. So they feel like if they're at that event, like a conference, um, that they have to listen to every talk and they have to be present the whole time when, in fact, you know, you don't have to. There are some there's stuff that you can skip and just look after yourself and take a break.
1: It's so true. It can be really mentally overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, and especially for
4: marginalised people, or people who might have sensory issues going to packs and going on the show floor, that can be really overwhelming for them. Absolutely. And it's, it's handy to know about what options you have if you think you might get overwhelmed or you might have, you know, just get a little bit overexcited or something.
1: And it's really nice to think about the people if you're um if you're with other people at an event like that about how mm. this experience might be landing on them. Uh I know that uh, sometimes I like to go to events with some some children who are primary school age, maybe late primary school but still and things can be overwhelming surprisingly fast and you can get a, hey, auntie, you know, can we go home now Um, sort of reaction to things that are otherwise exciting and new Uh, and that pacing yourself and being, you know, attuned to those sort of things are actually really important. I think particularly when you want those people to have a positive experience and kind of be interested in the things that, you know, you think that they've, they've got a bit of a, an aptitude for or, or they've already shown mm. signs of being into, you know, you don't want an experience like that to, to turn them off. And I think that games is a classic space where there are a lot of people on the, on the outside who we talk about wanting to, to bring in and, and let them, you know, understand and play in this space. Uh, I wonder, you know, do you, do you think a bit about who... Uh, you know who's um, who's bringing people along to these sort of things. Do, you know, do we see a lot of people bringing their parents still to this sort of event?
4: Uh, definitely for PACS, yeah. They're actually, at industry events, there are some some kids who are just so keen that they they get their parents to pay the price and take them along to this uh, conference. That's all for. Uh, developers that are learning how to like do professional development and then there's you know there's sometimes a couple of kids there who are still in high school sometimes even in primary school and they've just begged their parents because they're so keen
1: I love that Yeah. yeah um but yeah um so do you recommend that people you know try and find some sort of supportive person to go with and 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 what's a good way to go about that if say you're parents aren't going to take you if that's not your situation. <laughs> Definitely it's good to have a
4: posse to go with. Um, there's a lot of Facebook groups related to games and in the industry and stuff. Um, shout out to Melbourne Gamers. They usually organise a, a meetup um just to you know help out people who might not have been there before and have someone to hold your hand a little bit or maybe share your excitement with. Um, there are some other groups who they might have a fair few members, so they want some way to uh, identify each other because obviously they haven't met each other before, so they might go around and wear a coloured ribbon. So I love that go, idea. You know, that person's wearing a pink ribbon, so I know that they're part of this group and I can go up and say hello, or if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I can go up and say, hey, can, can you just let, help me out, have some space?
1: Definitely, definitely. Mm. And I think it's always just worth, you know, asking for help in a place if you haven't been able to orientate yourself and you're not really sure what the right thing there for you is, um, there's always people at these events in, in t-shirts and they might be a little, you know, extroverted and, you know, a bit like me, <laughs> you know, in your face and what have you. But um, I know that they're really keen to, to help you get the best um, experience that you can out of these events. Are there trends that conferences
2: have picked up to promote accessibility in any way? Yeah, and that's
4: been improving in the last few years as well. So I think last year might have been the first year that PACs had gender-neutral toilets in some areas. Mm. Um, There's definitely been an improvement in events that have harassment policies and that train their staff in what to do if someone's been bullied or if someone's even going back to feeling overwhelmed, how Mm. to help them out or who to send them to. Um, There's been more initiatives for including and helping people who might be a minority or marginalised person. It help them to get access to the event or to be able to afford it, you know, or even if you have a child, to take the child with you to the event and provide somewhere quiet where you can, you know, have a break with them if need be.
1: Hmm. And what about uh, the, the f- maybe the fun... Uh, Kick your heels up, sort of events at the end of the day that you'll get during Games Week. Is that something that you know you have every night during Games Week, or definitely? Yeah. There is an after party every night.
4: Uh, a lot of them are just for industry events, so there's one after each conference.
1: Um, so it's worth going around to all those booths and trying to, you know, get chummy with people. And seeing if they've got some free passes, they're going to invite you to something. A lot of them actually sell out pretty quickly. Right.
4: Um, there are some public ones happening uh, that are on and you can usually find those on Facebook. I believe there's something happening at Bartronica
2: at the end of the week. Mm-hmm.
4: That's a public one and it Not should absolutely. be pretty good.
2: All of the bars should have a lot of activity like GGEZ on or Zed, GGEZ. <laughs> <laughs> You're
4: Australian, mate. It's Zed.
2: <laughs> on on um, Queen Street and Bar SK in Collingwood Yeah, and, yeah, Bartronica as well. I think all of those will probably be pretty packed with gamers exactly
4: like there is the the official parties are usually pretty limited so there's always overspill into the the unofficial bars as well
1: Mm. so let's see if we can share some some networking tips um do you have any favorite tips for when you're at industry events you know things that you Mm. like to do or maybe simone because you've actually thought about this sort of thing probably more than we have (laughs) yep um,
4: I think the biggest tip that I always tell people when they ask, when you're trying to network, you don't think about it as making or finding resources or people that can help you do specific things. Yeah, what you're there to mercenary. do is, is make friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the friends that you make that will get you jobs or, or link you to um, an, ad, an ad that might be relevant to you or share with you you know, a conference that might be good to go to. Mm. um if if you're just there to find resources of people who who might publish your game or might work with on your game with you you're not gonna make a lot of friends that way and people they hear it a lot so it's just becomes kind of background noise to them
1: yeah be genuine yeah yeah be exactly. yourself. realize that these are other people who are here for you know multiple reasons and yeah I think um, my favourite tip that um, I I heard from Sarah Moran was the Pac-Man tip of, you know, when you're chatting in a group at a function, try and leave a wedge in your circle so that someone Hmm. else can come and join in. That's beautiful. And, and, you know, and when they come up, you know, bring them into the conversation and, you know, include them. And it's, I think that we all know this subconsciously and we, you know, probably practice it uh, a bit more consciously, but... Actually, thinking to expand the group when it gets a bit close, just physically making that space for people, I, th- I thought was just really super great and Pac Man reference, you know, totally relevant
2: yeah, for us. <laughs> another pop culture reference for networking, it's a Inigo Montoya reference. Oh, what's this one? So you, you introduce yourself, you give some context, and then expectation. Ah. So Inigo Montoya, yes. you killed my father, pretend to die,
1: or not prepare,
2: prepare, <laughs> prepare to die. I might be. Maze wallen working games as a composer right yeah yeah i
4: also think it's good a good idea you know with the pac-man analogy if you're joining that circle to not just wedge yourself into the circle and then stand there awkwardly but you know actually be polite about it and say something like oh hi do you mind if i join your circle
1: Mm.
4: and then just if it comes up introduce yourself or just let them
1: continue the conversation
4: that that they were having
1: yeah Yeah, I think it it depends on the group. I mean, most people are socially savvy enough to acknowledge you with a smile or a nod or something, even if you can't interrupt them at just that second. And, And that's such a nice gesture. It makes a world of difference.
2: Yeah, absolutely. In all of those lines for food
1: or lines for panels... That's yeah. a great place so to meet people <laughs> and ditch people, I've got to say. <laughs> you know, yeah, Sorry, I've got to go parts. join this other queue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I really need a water right now. I must run away. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Life skills, that's what we're about here at BITE. You know, it's not just about the tech conferences and picking up all the flyers and getting as many stress balls as you can. <laughs> it's about how to, how to make this uh, experience enjoyable and, and really you know get the most out of it. Um, I love the sound of some of these events and um, there's even a few award ceremonies and things where people get to celebrate some of the best things coming out in games which is it's nice to see an industry patting itself on the back a little bit. Um, one thing I'm excited about is Parallels the free play 2018 showcase to RMIT which is happening on the 25th. Um, do we know much about that program yet? Is there... A I think, bit. yeah, Mays probably knows more. Yeah, Ooh. so
2: it is announced. I think there are four internationals, which is really interesting um, because free play has usually been about Australian game development. Um, but having these internationals also gives them a more sort of arty weird space to show off their games during games week which is usually quite commercial or business focused yeah um so i think that'll be really interesting yeah um especially some of these speakers are part of asia as well Mm -hmm. and usually we're very inundated with europe and america it's really nice to have some of our closer neighbors actually here as well tremendous yeah Yeah. i'm very excited for that i'm really excited for that
1: um, Simone, are there uh, particular events here that are really exciting you?
4: Uh, well, like I said before, the Gamers Club. I've actually mm. been meaning, like this is the special edition version during Games Week, they have a guest speaker, Leighton Grey, who made Dream Daddy. Yes. Um, but yeah, I've been meaning to go to that for months and just haven't made it. Because Dream Daddy monthly.
1: is such a good name.
4: It is, right.
1: I want to play it already. That sounds really <laughs> so <that's> fun. What <laughs> platforms is that on? Uh, definitely on PC. This is good yeah. for me. I'm
2: not a console person. <laughs> definitely on Steam. Um, Excellent.
1: Yeah. It's probably on other ones. I'm yeah. not quite sure. It's when people say Nintendo Switch that I get a frowny face. What?
2: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Best yeah. oh,
1: you know, It's the I, one that I don't have too. Yeah. Look, it just looked like it would be a time sucker for me. I have to be very, very rigorous about these things. Simone, thank you so much for sharing some essential tips for survival during Melbourne International Games Week. Do you want to leave us with any, any final, you know, basic uh, tips that we, we could I take with us? I think
4: just the important one for everyone, and mm. this applies to all conventions and exhibitions.
1: Shower every
4: day and oh. take
1: deodorant. Yes. Mm. It's a shame that we do have to shout that out, but I've yeah. been to that convention building it's, it Every gets night. hot. Yeah. It gets steamy. These and are long days and people get excitement. excited. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> good tip. Good tip. I like it. It's <laughs> been a great talk. Simone, we really appreciate you. Take us through those tips. Before we wrap up this evening, there's a few events that we'd like to call out.
2: Maze, what have we got? Um, so, first up, we've got Ally Camp, which is a project of Ally Bytes, a community initiative focused on raising the profile of digital accessibility. It's Australia's premier conference on accessibility and inclusion. Um, it's $200 and it is on the weekend of the 17th to the 19th of October. So that's really soon.
1: Yeah, it's uh, got an amazing keynote speaker, Zoe Peliologos, who's speaking about the intersection of human rights and technology. Just, yeah. just such a topical area at the moment. looks really good. Uh, There's also only three weeks to go until the Web Direction Summit, which features a couple of different content tracks. There's front-end engineering and end product uh, and design, and it's running from the 1st to the 2nd of November in Sydney. The event alternates between a few different states. Um, This year's event includes inventor and author Mark Pesci delivering the opening keynote, and it'll also have another keynote by Maria uh, Giudici, who's um, experienced design leader at Hot Studio. Look, that's all the time we have for tonight. Big thanks to our guests, Kevin and Fabian and Simone and uh, thanks to Mays for holding down the, the desk with me. Mm-hmm. We also want to say that um, you should stay tuned for the International Pop Underground with Anthony Carew coming up next, which is always a treat. Good night.